Hey, welcome to Your Voice Matters podcast. This fourth season is entitled Voices for Change. In this regard, I will interview different industry experts, business leaders and change makers. My guests use their voice and expertise to make the world a better place. Many of my guests were at some point my clients, others not, but all of them have an important message to share with the world. Today I have with me Antonio Buscardini. He is the CEO and founder of Travel Tomorrow, a new global media focus on travel experiences, sustainable tourism and the impact of COVID-19 on the tourism industry. He's also a board member of the Press Club Brussels Europe and the CEO of Buscardini Communications, a Brussels-based communication agency that helps organizations to navigate in our fast-paced world. His background is in geopolitics, international affairs, political science, and government. Today, we will discuss the future of traveling. Welcome, Antonio. Tell us more about your story. Hi, Ines. Thank you very much for uh, the invitation. So indeed, I'm, my name is Antonio. I'm located in Brussels. I work here now for more than 10 years. It's really unbelievable. Because uh, I think like everyone that comes to Brussels, you come for one or two years and then suddenly time flies and it's five and it's 10. So I already accepted that I will stay here for a long, long period. And uh, well, as you mentioned, I've been working in the communication field since the beginning. So I came here as a press officer for the Assembly of European Regions. Then it led me to uh, coordinate the office here but always paying a lot of attention to the PR and communication world. And afterwards, I decided to quit the pan-European world, so not to work as a civil servant, mm -hmm. and to be on the other side, because before I was providing the information as a press officer, and I would like to be on the other side in organizing events, organizing press conferences, and engaging with different stakeholders within the bubble, from the public, and the private sector. For, so for, the, for those who don't know what the bubble is. <laughs> yeah, sure. The bubble is called, you, you can explain. Yeah, well, in, in Brussels, you have the European institutions, Commission, the European Parliament, and obviously that around those European institutions, you have entities that are lobbying from the private sector to public entities. And it creates a community of expats most of them coming from the 27 member states now, but also from other realities. I mean, Brussels is the capital in the world that has the most embassies, is the capital in the world with the most lobbyists going, bypassing Washington, for example, since 2017. So there is a bubble, that's what mm -hmm. we call here in town, that within the capital of Belgium, there is a group of people that work and engage with Europe. So uh, those are mainly the people I work with and for, and I have created a communications firm, so a PR and communications agency that has several different clients. Obviously, due to my nationality, it's pretty much linked to, to Portugal at, uh, at the beginning. So we work with um, the Portuguese Farmers Confederation, for example, Portuguese Bank. We worked uh, in the past as well with uh, the embassy towards the Kingdom of Belgium. So here, once again, you have embassies towards the Kingdom of Belgium, towards the EU and towards NATO. The business 
grew and obviously we started working with other embassies, with the international companies. And what we do is that we organize communication campaigns, we organize press conferences, we help politicians or companies to deliver the mm -hmm. message, so to reach the different type of journalists. So that's also curiosity for those who are listening, that in Brussels you have correspondents. So it means that a TV station sends a journalist here to cover news to report to the country, but you also have the pan-European press, which are journalists that work for pan-European media, so they only focus their attention on EU affairs. Mm -hmm. One good example is political. And then obviously you have journalists from other countries and journalists from Belgium. So it's very a very interesting landscape because mm -hmm. we are all working for on journalism it's with different and, backgrounds. And there's a lot of communication going on in this bubble. And what made you, with all this experience you have, what made you create this project, Travel Tomorrow? Well, because within the firm, we always paid a lot of attention on tourism. In fact, we produced three TV series that are being broadcast on a, a French international television called TV Saint Monde. It is, in fact, the third biggest station in the world. And it is a station that is a merge, in fact, for France, Canada, Luxembourg, Belgium, and Switzerland. So it is, in fact, a cocktail of content for the French-speaking world. And we are very lucky to travel multiple times every year and to produce these shows in order to only invite viewers to discover a region or a city mm -hmm. by branding, obviously, history, geography, lifestyle, say, for instance, gastronomy, when it makes sense, when it tells a story about the location. Example that crosses my mind is the paella, for instance. We mm -hmm. did a scene in Valencia about that because this is not only a dish, it is a mm -hmm. dish from a region. And by eating it, you will understand the geography of Valencia. You know, you are starting probably a, a huge discussion about Valencia and what's the best region for getting it uh, for our Spanish uh, listeners. In, and so you have a lot of experience in covering tourism-related subjects. And so, but suddenly we had a pandemic and yeah. most of that projects probably were on hold. That's it. So indeed, uh, usually in one season represents between 10 to 12 episodes. So when COVID appeared in March 2020, well, we had to cancel most of the projects. In fact, if I remember well, we only produced two episodes. And, you know, we already had the plan of creating media in town on the travel and tourism industry. In fact, in the old days, we owned the media that we sold. So we had the expertise. So the project Travel Tomorrow, we just speeded up the process. So it was on our pipelines. So we decided to launch it in June 2020, in purely in the middle of the lockdown in Brussels, knowing that in Brussels, there was nothing similar in the sense that you have, as I said before, a lot of pan-European newspapers or, mm -hmm. or portals, but nothing related to this industry. And this industry is not only, you know, about where to travel, because you have a lot of ingredients from transport, and within transport you have aviation, trains, you mm -hmm. have obviously now the importance of the travel restrictions, where information is key to understand if you can travel or not, if you need to do a PCR test or not. So 
during a lot of time we covered those topics. But for us, Travel Tomorrow was also a strategy because it was indeed the strategy of the UN on how we will travel tomorrow, mm-hmm. where we would embrace as well policies like sustainable travel, a responsible mm-hmm. travel. How do we foresee tomorrow's destination? So there is knowledge on the industry, reporting accurate news, but also making people dream about traveling. That, and we dreamed a lot. <laughs> I think we can all we can all agree that we dreamed a lot. Actually, I was during the pandemics, I think was one year and a half ago. I was seeing this Somebody Fit Feels. It's a series on Netflix. And it, it's just a guy who travels for, you know, all over the world and he experiments different dishes. And I was delighted to see that because, you know, first the places were amazing and then the food and the experiences and the people, and he's very genuine. So if, if you don't know this documentary, it's really good. Somebody fit feels, I think. Right. Um, yeah, it's very good. And it's about the dream and awaken the senses. So mm-hmm. the mission of Travel Tomorrow is not only about to inform, but also to stimulate another way of travel, right? Indeed. So we have, if you visit our website, we have different sections that according to a very specific topic, we will guide you through this travel. So we have obviously sections on destinations by topics. I mean, discovery, adventure, a getaway of 24 hours or 48 hours. But also we do have proposals of traveling or discovering just to acquire knowledge through culture, for example. If you travel and your aim is just, you know, to discover a certain type of music or to visit a certain type of museums. So that's, it is proposed in different sections. What we do as well is that we have our team truly uh, travel. So at the beginning it was very challenging how Mm -hmm. to do this without traveling. But now obviously it's getting more and more easy to, to move. And those articles are truly personal because they are testimonials of experiences of Mm -hmm. journalists. And this is an added value for those who are reading because it's it's really fair game in the sense that if they don't like something, they will say it. Their recommendations are really right to the point and trying to be as large as possible. So, So for those who don't know yet what Travel Tomorrow is, and I really recommend you to Google it, is a website. It's a, actually, I would say, like a kind of blog with different articles with the several topics you mentioned, but also we receive it as a newsletter, which I receive and love. I, I always open yeah. you know, the, the newsletter and see the articles that I, that I like the most. And so you were saying that it was difficult to travel at first. Now it's getting easier. So what is the impact of this pandemic in the way we travel? So besides, you know, the obvious What is deeply right now, I would say we can't turn back. Is there anything specific that you'd say? Well, yeah. Well, in our role, because as I said, well, we are in the middle of being a media, but at the same time, platform for destinations, like you could compare with the Lonely Planet. So in my perspective, after two years of work, I would divide this in three points. The first part is having accurate information. I hope that we will a bit turn the page because it was very stressful for any traveler to truly know, am I allowed to go to this place or not? Things are getting easier in the sense that there is better coordination. 
especially at European Union level. In fact, only yesterday it happened that the Commission released a plan to recover this industry. And we see as well that the lifting of the travel restrictions are coordinated as well. Mm-hmm. And that's key as well for the mobility of 500 million people and to be in just one voice. The third problem, I, well, issue I see for the future is for other parts of the world, in fact. I mean, we have been reporting on the daily basis catastrophic numbers from key spots like in Thailand or Indonesia. I mean, Bali received in 2021 45 travelers. It's not million. It's not... Thousand. 45 persons went to Bali last year. So this is to see how shocking it is, the drop of tourism for countries that completely depend on mm-hmm. tourism. And the tendency is that by fear, comfort, we will, and when I say will, Europeans, we will travel within the European Union. Mm-hmm. That's the most safe and comfortable. Now, mm-hmm. it has its ups and downs in the sense yeah. that uh, for Europe, that's great because also, I mean, for the recovery, it means that you will consume travel at home. Mm-hmm. But for other parts of the world, they truly need to deliver a safe message in our tomorrows mm-hmm. because the game is starting over. So everybody mm-hmm. will start over in tomorrow's future of uh, tourism because they will be in competition suddenly with other states. It is. And uh, I think that everyone now is dreaming about Bali, since you mentioned. So thank you. For in one hand, we want to go to um, as far as possible, you know, to our dream holidays. In the other hand, we might choose to visit some nearby country that we don't know yet. Of course, it has an impact not only in our pocket, in our choices, in our experiences, but also in the climate. So what can we be conscious about when this future? Is that anything that we can have in mind regarding preserving climate, preserving nature? What are the trends right now and the focus of this area? Well, I will give you two two examples. The first one, I'm sure you remember that for years we were talking about over-tourism in certain key cities in Europe. Barcelona and Venice are the two big examples. It was a bit almost hilarious to see that during the pandemic, there was a switch in the sense that suddenly those cities starting to campaign, so to do marketing campaigns to attract tourists, which before it was impossible. They would never pay one euro to attract tourists again. So this is an interesting conversation now because, I mean, over-tourism doesn't exist now for obvious reasons. But it will come back Mm -hmm. and it will come back and the discussion will be how to tackle then over tourism again, because you will be confronted with the reality of we need business. So we need tourists again. So eventually we need to put on hold our strategic thought regarding over tourism. But simultaneously, we can't, I mean, just give up because there are departments in these cities and regions that are truly focused on on that. So that's one thing because over-tourism is obviously linked to your footprint. It's linked to the fuel that you are spending on the different transports. Mm -hmm. And one enormous discussion that is going on right now, it's on aviation because 
I mean, there is a lot of pressure from different stakeholders to, you know, influence airlines to try to use different fuels. So the most known one is the SAF, so Sustainable Aviation Fuel, mm-hmm. and hydrogen. Hydrogen seems to be the new player to boost climate change or to if, if you want to change the business within airlines. So there is a lot of things going on. For example, now KLM introduced a 0.5% of SAF in every travel they do in every travel they do for the company. Mm-hmm. So it's not much, but it's a beginning. There are concrete objectives set by the European Commission by 2050 that they need to reduce and replace. There is a lot of talks as well on uh, how to use other sources of energy on aviation. So aviation is very important. Why as well? Because in our European perspective, for a long time, all the states were embarrassed by tourism. And what I mean by that is rich countries like ours say that tourism is for poor countries. I mean, they don't say this. You are saying ours, Portugal, Portuguese or, or Belgium? Well, <laughs> including, uh, I mean, because a country that totally depends on tourism is a kind of a failed country. And the thing is that when we had this crisis, we realized that very rich countries, the Netherlands, Germany, have a huge dependence on tourism. As well as the all the figures others. are between 10 and uh, 20%. But it's not only the classical, you know, tourism market, it's everything that is linked because it is about the tickets you buy to KLM, it is about the money you spend in the hotels, it is about business trips, mm-hmm. it is about, you know, investing then in the territory. So there is a lot of things. It is about the restaurants, the bars. It's an all, all, all economy. It, it's it's uh, huge. It's, it's huge. huge. Yeah, it's huge. So suddenly you don't have those millions of tourists. You don't have those millions of incomes. So my point is that now there is a change. We acknowledge this is important and that we should create something at the institutional level. To give you a final example, we don't have within the European Union and the European Commission a DG tourism. So it means like a ministry for tourism. Tourism mm-hmm. is under transport. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why I was telling you about transport. Yeah. We see transport and then tourism is there. Mm-hmm. This might change. We might have or a tourism entity, mm-hmm. or like it's already happened, tourism is equal to with the transport. Which is a huge part and also the part that has more impact on climate and the sustainability also aspects that we need to reach within a few years. And you said that we need to do this in a, a level that is much more broader, which is what is the kind of fuel we use to, to travel in our airplanes and much more efficient ways of traveling. And also, I think it was last year, the year of the train So I think it was something related to trains in Europe. Rail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rail, the rail uh, ways. And so sometimes what we feel is even if I don't want to catch a plane, I want to go by train. But, you know, it's so insufficient sometimes, you know, the options we have to do it in a different way. But finally, I would like to ask you a final question. So, of course, there's a lot of to, to, things to do in a organizational level and high governance level, but what can we do, you know, in our daily lives? So any tips for our listeners to travel in a more sustainable way so we can have a better future for our travel and we can actually travel tomorrow? Sure. Well, this policy that can seem like protectionism, 
should be taken into account in the sense that it is obvious that we can't, you know, travel like before. And it seems to be safer to travel within the EU. And what I say safer is that, you know, you will limit your costs as well. Because imagine nowadays, every time you take a flight, for example, you need to pay an insurance or you will be guided to, to do that. You also are concerned on the spot if something happens to me, will I have a good service and will I be protected? And it's true that within the European Union, well, we are in the member states, so you're covered by any public hospital. Mm -hmm. So this is one thing that seems to be safest to travel within the European Union, to also choose smart. So, you know, to rediscover your own country or to visit the neighbor countries to try to use, you mentioned the rail, there was a massive investment last year to better connect uh, the different capitals. Mm -hmm. It is faster. The connections are pretty good. So a good advice is as well to check the different options that they mm -hmm. exist. It doesn't make any sense, you know, to travel, especially in Central Europe, mm -hmm. by taking a flight. To to plan for things ahead with friends as well and family so that you can also share costs. That's also a smart idea. Mm -hmm. I truly advise you to, for the listeners, to have a look at the new tourism path from the European Commission released yesterday with the 27 Yes, by, by, by yesterday is probably when this episode will be launched, maybe a couple of weeks ago, but it's a now. A couple of weeks ago it's, on it's February now. 8th. <laughs> and you will, uh, you will yeah, it, it really um, brings quite some knowledge on how to be um, smart in, um, in traveling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that it's online and it's available it for, for all of us. It is public information. Yeah. Great. So, Antonio, uh, where can people find more about your work, about Travel Tomorrow? What is the, the right way to? The website is um, www.traveltomorrow.com. If you would like to subscribe to our daily newsletter, so you will get the best articles of the day, there is a get in touch section where you can subscribe. We are also present on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and also instagram nice so we will find you for sure antonio thank you so much for sharing all this with us uh, it was really a pleasure to have you here thank you very much likewise have a nice day thank you for listening to this episode did you like it if so feel free to spread the word to discover more about vocal coaching you can visit my website voicepowerleadership.com or contact me through linkedin facebook or instagram and always remember your voice matters <laughs>